Guys, we are in week nine of a 12-week study through the letter of 1 John. We got a lot of ground to cover today, so we're just going to jump right in. So I'm going to invite you to grab your Bibles and find your way to 1 John chapter 4. All right, so over the last few weeks, John has been saying the way that we treat each other really kind of just evidences whether or not we belong to Jesus. And, and really up until this point in this letter, you know, John has been trying to, for, for several chapters now, to show us the true marks of a Christian. And he's been, as he's been talking about this, he's kind of been using contrasts to get this point across, right? Because if you remember back over the last several weeks, he's been saying that if you're a Christian, you actually walk in the light, but you don't walk in darkness. And then he said that if you're a Christian, you're a child of God, not a child of the devil. Last week, as we were in this, we saw that as Christians, that we, we love greatly and fully. That as Christians, you don't kind of turn away from people in hate and disregard them, but you love them and you care for them. Now today, what John is going to do is he's going to continue this train of thought, and he's going to say that as Christians, we need to be discerning, not gullible. All right, so let me just ask you this, okay? Are you the type of person that, that really just tends to believe everything that you hear? And I know that I ask you that question, you're like, well, of course not. That's ridiculous. I'm, I'm a critical thinker. I, don't, I would never believe everything that I hear. But I just, con- just consider this. Right, when, you, when you listen to a sermon or you're watching the news, you're, you're listening to a lecture or a podcast, like is your propensity really just to kind of receive that information and just grab hold of it and accept it as true? Or do you kind of tend to like think critically? and ask a lot of questions before you decide what you're gonna do with what was just presented to you. And maybe even more, like, do you realize like, the things that we listen to, the things that we accept, the things that we grab a hold of and really kind of take in, they actually impact and really influence and, and really just guide the overall direction and posture of our lives. Like, I want you to think about these things as we get into 1 John chapter four because today John is gonna tell us that we need to test things. We actually need to test the things that are coming to us, coming at us, all around us, to see if they are in fact true. That John, as we get into this, you're going to hear him say that essentially, you can't believe everything that you hear. That in our world today, there are things that are true and things that are actually not. But the question is, the big question that John is going to help us with is how do we test things to see if they are actually true, if they're actually of God? And so this is a very practical message. Like sometimes you can sit in here and be like, man, this doesn't relate to me, it's so old. But guys, this is a timely message for the world that we live in today. So let's get into this. First John says this, verse one. Beloved, all right? And we've been reading this and we've been seeing this word a lot. Beloved, that John, as he writes, he's filled with love. He's a very loving, older man at this point. He physically walked with Jesus as his best friend. He's been following God for a long, long time. And he's repeatedly been saying, beloved. And he's calling his readers beloved. And we're in, as we hear this, guys, we're not just to be seeing John's love and affection and care for the people that he writes to, but we should also be reminded of the ultimate truth that God loves you. And I'm never going to stop saying that. The Sunday school thing, God loves you, that you're loved by God, he is your father. Doxa, you are in his family. And beloved reminds us of the truth that God actually does care for us. 
Someone in this room, I guarantee you, in this moment, in this week, in this weekend, you need to be reminded of the fact of that song that we just sang, that God actually sees you, he cares for you, and he loves you. And beloved is a way to remind us of that. Because in what I wanna show you through this is that God is in fact a loving father and he's gonna show us his care for us today through this text because he's giving us instruction and correction and direction as we walk through life, helping us to know what is true and false. And I really believe God's hope for us today as our loving father is that through John's words here, we would learn to be discerning and understanding of the world that we live in. All right, for those of you who are parents, you're you're raising kids, it's much the same way, that you're getting your kids ready to live in the real world, right? And you don't want them to be naive and gullible where they just kind of listen to everything and, and believe everything that they hear and they're influenced by every single person around them so they fall into trouble and fall into harm. But no, you want to raise them to be discerning, to know right from wrong, true from false, which is going to keep them from trouble and keep them from falling into harm. Guys, this is God's heart for us today. Just know this as he's talking to us that we are his beloved and he really wants to meet us in this and he wants to help us. And so John goes on to say this, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Here's what's going on as John writes this, okay? In this time, God's people would mostly gather for church in houses throughout the Roman Empire, all right? In the early years of the church, there were very few formal creeds, like the later creed of Nicaea, which just gave kind of doctrinal guidance for these early Christians. And even more at this time, right, scriptures were not available as we have them today, that no one had a New Testament At the very best, these early Christians, the early church, they had a collection of of letters from the apostles that they would send, and they had a collection of stories about Jesus. And with this, guys, oral communication was essential for the guidance and the instruction of the early church. That the early churches really just relied heavily on messengers that would be sent to them from their leaders to just inform them, to correct them, and to guide them as they walked with God. You know, and we see this. If you look at the Apostle Paul's life, he sent uh, Silas and Timothy in this capacity. If you look at places like 3 John chapter 5, or 3 John 5, rather, we see that John actually sent messengers ahead to instruct the church. But the problem arose when prophets and teachers came to these early churches and claimed to have an authority that was not rightfully theirs. That they weren't sent by the apostles, but they came with their own agenda, their own perspective, their own theology under their own authority. And they would teach things to these early Christians that were really just in contrast, in opposition to the apostles' teachings and really the truths of God. And in this, this is what John is addressing here. That John is likely responding to the rise of a heretical movement in the early church called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was really just a a religious movement that sought to just really discredit the man and the work and the identity of Jesus. And in the most basic sense, what the Gnostics did is they taught 
that salvation and coming to God through, with forgiveness of sin was only by knowledge. It was by like a special enlightenment. It's like you knew certain things, but it was not by faith in Jesus. And so for the Gnostics, they, they taught that all created matter was bad, that every physical thing in this world was evil, and they believed that the only good in this world was the spiritual. And so as they thought this, they taught people about Jesus, who is God become a man, and they said he really never existed in the flesh. And if you look back, I want you to circle that in your Bible, because this is a big one for what John is talking about, in the flesh. He said he didn't exist in the flesh, and him dying on the cross really did nothing for us. And they taught this ideology into this early church, and people were getting confused about who Jesus was, his identity, his work on the cross, and ultimately about the truths of God. And in the midst of all of this false teaching, here's what John does. As an old man, just picture him sitting on his rocking chair, he kind of stands up and boldly, but lovingly, says this, you need to test every spirit. He says you need to test the things that you hear, that not everything you hear is in fact true. And so you need to know how to know if what you're hearing is actually of God and it's true in our world. And so as you look at your life today and the world around us, right, Gnosticism is not something that we, we tend to uh, fight head on like John in his day. But guys, there are still many false teachings in our world. And this is not me throwing stones at the world out there, but I'm talking about there's many false teachings both inside and outside the church that are confusing people, they're causing people to drift away from God and his truths. And so while like, it's not primarily Gnosticism today, there are many false teachings today pertaining to Jesus, heaven, hell, life, gender, marriage, truth, sin, and the list goes on. But I wanna help you to understand this because this is so vitally important. So let me explain it like this, guys. Everything in life is spiritual. Do you know that? Everything in life is spiritual. And when we tend to think about the word spiritual, right? most people tend to think about religion or some type of religious activity or practice. Like we have our religious stuff, but then we have our, our everyday stuff, but this is not quite it. Okay, I want you to listen to how Jesus says it in Luke 17. Luke 17 says this, but being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, listen, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you now. And so here's what this means, okay? Doc said everything is spiritual meaning everything in life actually matters. And it's not only like the traditionally labeled things that we label as spiritual, but it's also the ordinary things of our lives. And as it relates to what John is saying here in this passage, you maybe have really never thought about this, but you need to understand that information is in fact spiritual. You know that? Information is spiritual. And this is so significant for us to grab hold of and to understand because we live in a world where the amount of information that we have access to is more than in any other time throughout the history of the world. And the amount of information that we have access to increases just dramatically every single year. Some studies say it over doubles every single year or every two years, right? It's just a massive amount of information. There's so many voices, so many thoughts, so many words, so much stuff. And in our world today, like we tend to th think about information and we, uh, we kind of think, okay, okay it's, it's neutral. It's just information. 
But what I want to propose to you today is it's not that. That information is spiritual. Some of it's true and some of it's false. And some of it honors God and glorifies God and some of it dishonors God. And what John is getting at here is that behind all information that we consume and those that are teaching and kind of disseminating this information, hear me on this, there's a spiritual influence. There's a spiritual influence between, be, behind all information and John is saying that behind some of the information that is being taught and publicized and broadcasted is the work of the Holy Spirit which shares truth and glorifies God but conversely, There is other information that is being presented by teachers and leaders and cultural influencers that are not directed and inspired by God the Holy Spirit, but by another spirit that is not of God. And I'll pause, okay, because if you're newer to church, if you're newer to the Bible, you're newer to Christianity, this maybe sounds very, very supernatural, right? You're like, you're elbowing your girlfriend, you're like, I told you I did not want to come today, right? This is weird. But guys, this is the truth of the world that we live in. And this is what John has been sharing throughout this entire letter, that we live in a world where there is a colliding of two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. It's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And every person in this world is not only living in the midst of this collision, but is ultimately a member of one of these two kingdoms. This is what John said in chapter three, verse 10. And when John speaks of another spirit other than God, I want you to know that this is his way of talking about that which is demonic in nature. Demonic. All right, now, again, I'll pause, right? Because, guys, when we hear demonic, we tend to think about the crazy horror movies that we see, right? We think about The Exorcist, where there's heads spinning and holy water burning. We think about, like, The Ring, where there's creepy little girls crawling out of TVs, talking like Darth Vader and going all over the ceiling, right? There's, like, we think of demonic in those types of ways. It's just weird, But let me just tell you this, sometimes that which is demonic is just a lie. Because Satan is the father of lies. And so the heart of demonic is deception and lies. It's information that is inspired and pushed forward by another spirit other than God. That's in opposition to who God is and what God says. And it causes people, it comes to people and really just, it comes in an inspiring way like a movemental way, it gains cultural traction, and soon enough, everyone is buying it, everybody's believing it, everybody's confused, and God is dishonored. It's demonic in nature, meaning it's anti-God. And so, Doxy, here's what you need to know. To make it really practical, every book you read, every podcast or talk show that you listen to, every sermon that you hear, every speech that you engage with, it's spiritual. It's all spiritual. And you can't just ingest it as truth, but you need to be discerning and test it because it may be false. This is what John is is really just saying. John says we need to test the spirits, that we need to evaluate the words and the information around us to see if it's true and of God. John's basically saying, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear about Jesus, the word, the world, the, the world that we live in, all of that. Don't believe it all. You need to test it. And despite philosophies like relativism and pluralism and syncretism and postmodernism, every other ism that you can picture in this world, which really just assert that there is no absolute truth, 
We need to know that there is in fact an absolute truth that comes from God who is the creator and the king over everything. And I say that not as someone who's just arrogant and, and figured it out and just intolerant of other things, but Christians, we, we hold on to this truth not in arrogance but in humility because we realize that the world does actually not revolve around Rob Warren. Like I have thoughts and ways about everything and I have what I would consider to be my truths that I would love to live by because they, they make me feel better. They're easier for me. But as a Christian, we stand under the authority of God and say, this is God, this is me. He is the creator, I'm the created. I have thoughts and ways, but his thoughts and ways are actually higher than mine. And we listen to him as truth in a humble way. And we need to know how to discern all the stuff around us to see if it aligns with God's truth. And so John gives us a standardized test, all right, to check if what we hear is actually true and from God or not. All right, and so you think about standardized tests, right? Besides us all hating them, right? What are they good for? Some of you educators are like, nothing. to Make my life miserable, right? But standardized tests, right? They're created to check if students know the right things. If they know what's true. And I'll, and I'll tell you this, guys, as followers of Jesus, John says it's important for us to have a standardized test to make sure we know what's true about God to make sure we know what's true about our lives and the world that we live in. And John gives us tests right here in this passage. And what he says is that we need to test every spirit by the Jesus test, the worldly test, and the Bible test. All right, look back at what he says about the Jesus test, verse two. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not come, does not confess Jesus, is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So Doxa, there is a lot of false teaching floating around our culture about Jesus. A lot of it, both inside and outside the church. And it was true in John's day and it's true in our day. And again, I don't say this in an arrogant way with a personal perspective, but I say this in a humble way with a Bible in my hand to simply say that there's certain things that are being taught and propagated in our world and in churches that are just not true of Jesus. And this is so important because if we get confused on who Jesus is, we'll ultimately get confused on who we are, who other people are, and who God is. And when we get confused on all of that, we'll ultimately never find our way to God, which will just result in eternal separation, which is just a terrible reality of hell. This is why it's so important that we have a tool to measure the information that we hear around us concerning Jesus, especially with all the access that we have to sermons and podcasts and religious leaders all around the world, that some of what you listen to is in fact good, it's God honoring, it's Jesus exalting, and that's awesome. There's other stuff that is just not. And the truth about Jesus is actually a life and death matter. And so we need help to know if what we hear and read about Jesus is in fact true, or a lie. And John gives us two things to know about Jesus. If you look back, the first thing he says is that Jesus was in fact fully man. All right? His language here is that Jesus came in the flesh, that John is making it clear that Jesus was actually a human man. And this is, again, significant because in this time, the Gnostics were really just teaching that Jesus only appeared to be a man, but he really wasn't. And with this thinking, Because he wasn't a man in the flesh, then his death on the cross did nothing for us. And faith in him is just really kind of 
irrelevant. It's not important at all. That's what they were saying. And that's what even some people believe today. But John says, the fact remains, Jesus was actually fully human. I was his friend. I walked with him. He was an eyewitness. And so who are we going to trust more than John? That he came in the flesh. And John says this in chapter 1 of 1 John, but he also says it back in his gospel, uh, in chapter 1 in John's gospel, that Jesus is God become a man. He existed in the flesh. And because He existed in the flesh. There's something really important for us to know. All right, listen to the way the Apostle Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul says that Jesus, who is God, becoming a man, ultimately came to give us hope and help that he became a man to take our sin from us. The stuff that separates us from him, the stuff that's in all of our lives, and he came to, to live and to die to give us a chance to come to God and escape the reality of hell. And so I'm gonna get a little nerdy. You guys already know that I'm not that smart, all right? But I'm gonna get a little bit nerdy and theological on you, okay? And I, what John is pointing to is the theological term penal, penal substitutionary atonement, all right? Mouthful, write it down. Penal substitutionary atonement. Big words, but very, very important. All right, this is not to help you win the next quiz bowl, but this is actually to help you understand Jesus, the creator of life. That there's no right understanding of Jesus, okay? There's no true gospel. There's no forgiveness of sin or salvation apart from penal substitutionary atonement. And so I want to explain this, all right, and just kind of walk you through these words. Penal means that there is a penalty for sin, So if you go back to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the book of origins, God told Adam and Eve, the first of humanity, that if you sin, you will die. That's the penalty. And Paul says the wages of sin is death. And so the penalty for sin is death. It's spiritual death, which is just eternal separation from God. And the truth is, guys, we are all impacted by sin. We're all sinful by nature, that we do things we shouldn't do and we don't do things that we should do. This is true of all of humanity. Every single one of us stands in that place and it's sin. And when Jesus went to the cross, he did so to pay our penalty, that he physically suffered in the flesh and he died in our place for our sin to pay our penalty. This is the good news that is the gospel. Now, the next word, substitution. All right, and what this means is that Jesus went to the cross as our substitute, meaning he went in our place, and he suffered what I should have suffered. He died because of my sin, which I should have done, but he's my substitute. And for me, personally, guys, this is why I love Jesus so much, because he became a man to identify with me, and then he took my place for sin. And guys, this is the offer for every single one of us today. This is the offer for all of humanity. Jesus in your place. And this is why people are really just so excited around here. If you're newer, you're wondering, like, what's with all the excitement, the smiles, the hands up, the music, all that stuff, the coffee, the caffeine? Like, what? no, it's none of that. It's that Jesus is our substitute, amen? I mean, this is the greatest news. This is the only reason why it makes any amount of sense to come here and to celebrate and to worship Jesus. He's our substitute. And he can be your substitute today if you would lay down your pride, if you would lay down your sin and just come to him and cling to the cross. Now the third word, atonement. Penal substitutionary atonement. And atonement is a word that you'll start hearing early on in the Old Testament. 
Right? You'll see God's people throughout the Old Testament celebrating Yom Kippur, which is just the day of atonement. And, and really what you need to understand about atonement is that the point of atonement is that sin has separated us from God and that sin must be taken away so that we can be forgiven and brought into relationship with him. And the day of atonement was a day that God's people would just kind of come together and individually and collectively confess their sins and deal with them according to the Old Testament sacrificial system, which was really just foreshadowing what Jesus would do. He would lay down his life as the perfect, ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And so, Doxa, I tell you all this because you need to know that penal substitutionary atonement is absolutely central to Christianity and absolutely central to life. That we don't believe that Jesus was just a decent moral teacher or some enlightened example. That we believe what John has been saying throughout this series, that he is God. That he came in the flesh, he lived, he died, he rose for the forgiveness of our sin. It's Jesus in our place and this is why we love him so much that no one has ever done for us or could ever do for us what Jesus, God become a man, has accomplished on the cross. And now secondarily, if Jesus was just a man though, right, he would be really no considerable help to any of us because there have been a lot of great men and women who have shared great amazing truths and things throughout the history of the world who have now died. And if Jesus is just like them, putting our faith in him, worshiping him, following him makes no sense because we don't do that with other people. But Jesus, while he came in the flesh, he was also fully God. And theologically, we call this the hypostatic union, that Jesus is not just a good man, but he's the God man. He's living today, and the only reason that our faith, our future, our hope, our Bibles are real is because the resurrection validated all of this. And this is what John is hoping that we see. He's saying, don't get confused about all the different things and all the different information and all the different teachings and all the different podcasts and all the different sermons that you listen to about Jesus. He's saying, don't be naively swayed by false religions and false teachers. Doc said, there is a lot of spirituality in our world today. A lot of spirituality. And I want you to know, not all spirituality is good. That some is in fact demonic. John is saying that there's some spirituality that that includes God, but some's demonic. And the best way to know is to find out what it says about Jesus. But please understand, in our world that is so spiritual and spirituality is rampant, you need to know that not all spirituality is good. And if you think about it like this, okay, for those of you with kids, you would never tell them Hey, anybody who comes knocking at the door, just open it up and invite them in and play with them and just live with them. You would never tell them to do that because there are people out there that will come in and try and harm you and hurt you. But so many people do this with spirituality. A new way of thinking, a new theology, a new religion comes knocking at the door of our lives and many people just open up the door and invite it in and the next thing we know, they're in trouble. They're influenced by a false teaching, a false religion, and they're drifting away from the truths of God. And before you know it, they are in opposition to who Jesus is and the truths that the Bible teaches. It's a very dangerous thing. And John is just saying, beloved, I love you. Be careful. Be careful and test the spirits. It's all about Jesus. Start there. 
Now the second thing that John gives us is the worldly test. Look back, verse four. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. All right, here's what John's saying. 24 different times in this letter, John talks about, quote unquote, the world. And in some cases, he kind of sees the world as this like, this place of just benign unbelief. But John also sees the world of a place of genuine hostility to God. A place where the forces of evil and falsehood are really just kind of gathered, assaulting God. In fact, as we get into chapter five, in verse 19, John is gonna say that the world is under the power of the evil one. So it's not just benign, that there is a spiritual influence that we need to test. But in the midst of this, John is saying this is true of the world, but in the midst of this, he also shares the truth that God loves this world and that God sent Jesus to save this world. And so there's this divine tension existing in our world that God loves the world, but the world does not love God. And the fact that God issued like a rescue plan to save people who don't love him, guys, this is a grace and a love that we can't truly understand, but it's one that we can receive, enjoy, and celebrate through faith in Jesus. It doesn't make sense, but this is who God is. And John is saying we need to test the spirit of the information that we receive to really just ascertain if it's true and if it's in line with God or if it's of the world. And the way that we ultimately do this is by the Holy Spirit of God given to us by faith, which leads us in truth and causes us to know, love, and obey God and his word. And if you look back, this is what John means when he says you've overcome. He's saying you overcome falsehood, that it's the spirit of God through the word of God that empowers us to live the truth of God for the glory of God and get out of the way of falsehood in our world. This is how we overcome. It's by the spirit of God through the word of God, by knowing the truth. Now, if you look at verse five, all right, when he says they, all right, he's, he's talking about those who are teaching false things, these people that are deceiving people, not by the spirit of God. And so whether they're like worldly academics, worldly scientists, worldly cultural leaders, false religious leaders, politics, philosophy, whatever he's talking about, these false teachers say and teach many, many things that the rest of the world, look back, what do they love? They love to hear it. They love to listen to their worldly, hear, or their worldly leaders kind of share this truth. And these hearers, these worldly hearers will just grab hold and ingest everything given to them without question. And if I could just step back from this, guys, I think this is where I get most worried today. Especially with the people of our church. As a pastor, God has called me to lead, feed, and protect this church. And this is probably where I get most worried. That so many people today, even Christians, are so eager to jump on the bandwagon of cultural trends and cultural truths without critically thinking about what is actually true and if it aligns with God's word. And what John is saying is this, and this is helpful for us. He's saying, guys, if the world is excited about it, if the world is propagating it, if everyone in the world loves it, at the very least, it should be a cause for pause in our lives. We should pause because the world does not tend to love and receive the things of God. 
I mean, Jesus says in John chapter three that the light came into the world, but people rejected the light. They hated the light because they loved darkness because the light revealed their evil works. When Jesus came teaching the truths of the kingdom of God, the truths of sin, the truths of humanity, people didn't like it, and this is ultimately what got him killed. And so if the world is rallying around this, we should be well to do to just pause and test if what we're seeing and hearing is actually true. And if it is, and if it aligns with Jesus' words, works, and ways, and if we open up our Bibles and see it there, then great. Walk in that truth for the glory of God and the good of the world. But if it's not, John would say, as a loving father, stand firm. Don't conform. But let me just add this. Don't be an idiot. Love. This is the resounding gong of 1 John Love. Doc, so when it comes to falsehoods in our world today, our job is not to pick a fight and fuel hatred. Do you understand that? I mean, the last two years, guys, Christians have done a really terrible job from my perspective. It's not our job to pick fights and to fuel hatred, but our job is to simply receive the truths of God, hold on to them faithfully, walk faithfully with, like, and for Jesus, which includes loving people who even disagree with us. And John says the things of God are not readily received by the world because the world does not know and love God, but the Spirit of God in us will empower us to overcome and faithfully walk with God in a very, very dark world, a world that God loves, which means that we should be loving like our God. But it's a world does not, that does not acknowledge and love the things of God. John says, test the spirits. And then finally, the last test that John gives us is the Bible test. Okay, look to verse six. We are from God. He's, basically, he's saying we are not of the world, but we're actually from God. We're in the family of God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. All right, the Bible test is this. You ask yourself, does it agree with the word of God? Does it agree with the word of God? And John is saying that those who do not know and love God, that are of the world, they just cannot help but to listen to those who speak their own language. They listen to the worldly wisdom that Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians. And And I say this as someone, I lived in this world for 25 years of my life. I didn't know God, I didn't love God, I didn't see Jesus, I didn't understand Jesus, and I didn't look to his word at all. And I didn't listen to him. It sounded like foolishness. That's why if you go back to Cleveland, Ohio, and interview some of my friends, they're like, I have no idea what the heck happened to Rob Warren. I met God. I'm in his family. And he's changed everything. But John is saying, those who know God, listen to those who are with him and commissioned by him that they stay with the apostles and the prophets and they refuse to move away from the truths of God. Doxa, understand this about this book. The Bible rightly read and the Bible rightly taught is the test that will guard us from falling into falsehood that exists all around us. And so in John's day, it was Gnosticism that was redirected by the word of God. In the, in the 1930s, it was the, the Nazis and the agenda of the Third Reich that the word of God taught people to reject. 
In our time, guys, we desperately need the word of God to help us to navigate the big questions that our world is wrestling with about biblical authority, about sexuality, about justice, and so many other things. And so how do we know the spirit of truth from the spirit of error? Doxa, the spirit of truth always runs to the scriptures. It always runs to the Bible. This is how we know. And the truth is, every generation will have its spirit to test. It might not be Gnosticism, it might not be sexuality, it might be something else. Every generation will have spirits to test. And John is just saying, be ready. I love you, God loves you, he's trying to help us. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3 that the Bible is a help to us, to direct us, to inform us, to shape us, to correct us, to guide us. Peter says that the word of God is more sure than any human experience or sensibility, and it endures forever. Actually, here's what we believe about the Bible. We believe that this is a book that God wrote. And we believe that really this is the only perfect thing in the earth, in the world right now. It's the word of God. That this is an unchanging book. And it's an anchor in an ever-changing world. In the world that we live in, life is about new and trendy, culturally relevant things. We are not so much about the new and the trendy, culturally relevant, but we're about the eternal. This is an eternal book. And because it's eternal, this means that it's timeless, which means that it's always timely. And it helps us in our day, in our time, in our culture now. And we desperately need the word of God. We need the words of our Father. He helps us. Doctor, this world will always have fads. This world will always have trends. This world will always have claims of, of cultural relevancy. We care primarily as God's people about truth and God. And this is what this book is all about. It will always point us to Jesus, who's the creator of life. And so I'm out of time, but let me just end with this. The information that we consume is not neutral spiritual and so what you consume actually impacts your life because what you listen to become thoughts and your thoughts then become words your words then become actions your actions then become habits your habits then become character your character then becomes your destiny and if I could be your, your pastor just for a moment because here's what I'd say to make this super practical. John is just simply saying to us, be careful. Don't get lied to. Don't let others in this world like tear you away from the truth of God. And don't puff yourself up in arrogance where you try and create your own truth. You have it right in front of you in the Bible, God's words to you. And don't get confused about Jesus and who he is and what he has done and what he offers. Be careful. And ultimately, if I can just encourage you to do one thing today in response to this great news that we heard from John, it would be this. And this is weird. It's going to come up here on the screen. But I want you to write this down in the column of your Bible next to 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Be a Berean. 
If you know your Bible, and maybe you know what I mean by this. Acts chapter 17. There was a group of Christians called Bereans. The, the Apostle Paul, he went to them and he began teaching them many things. And as the Bereans heard that all that Paul was giving them, you know what they said? To the great Apostle Paul, they looked at him and said, you know what? That's great. It sounds good. We're going to go back and we're going to run it through the scriptures and then we'll decide what to do with it. This needs to be our posture. They tested everything that they heard, even from the Apostle Paul, by the word of God. This is the only eternal thing that is perfect right now. It's the word of God, his truths to us. And we use it to not only share the good news of the love of Jesus for all people and say, hey, you know what this book says? God made you and he loves you. And there's something really wrong with you but Jesus died for you and he rose for you and there is really good news. And we use this book to share the love of God and say, God loves you. Please hear me on that. He loves you. He's made a way. Come to Jesus. And that's my plea for you. If you do not know Jesus, come to Jesus. But we also use this to, to guard our lives, to make sure we don't drift into falsehood. And soon enough, we're far away from him. Be a Berean. Open up your Bible. Read your Bible. Memorize your Bible. Meditate on your Bible. Pray your Bible so that you will know what is true and what is of God. And when we get the Bible right, we'll get life right because we'll get Jesus right. And Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. It's always Jesus. And so we're going to remember Jesus right now. All right, you got this communion cup when you walked in. Guys, this is where we remember the person and the work of Jesus. That God became a man, that he lived in the flesh. On this earth, he went to the cross and he died for us. He died for me, for you. And as we partake in communion, we're remembering that Jesus had a broken body. That's what the bread symbolizes. We're remembering that Jesus shed blood to make payment for our sin. This is what the juice symbolizes. And he did all of this to get us off the hook, to keep us on the field, to give us love, to lay down his life so that we could have life. This is what we celebrate in communion. And so today, we're gonna partake of this. And the way that we're gonna do this is I'm just gonna give you time to get with Jesus. Talk to him. If there's sin in your life that you need to lay down, lay it down at his feet and hear him say, forgiven through Jesus. And the band's gonna lead us. And so if you're not a Christian, like this is a time for Christians to do this. Communion doesn't really make sense to you, but if you became a Christian today, take communion with joy and celebrate. So remember Jesus' death for you right now and celebrate that you are the beloved of God. And when you're ready, take communion and then stand up and we'll sing like never before.